Thanks for listening to Making It Queer. Making It Queer is a Level Ground podcast. Level Ground is an arts and culture collective that is collaborating with artists to inspire empathy and friendship across societal divisions. You can support Level Ground by becoming a member for just $5 a month. Learn more about the perks of membership and sign up at onlevelground.org forward slash membership. Alina, thank you for being with us on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. So we talked a bit about the format of the podcast, and we're going to tweak it a little bit. So uh, let's begin by who are you? Um, well, I'm a documentary filmmaker, first of all. Um, I was born in Poland. I uh, left for Germany with my parents when I was a child. So basically, we fled Poland when I was five. And I have lived in LA for the past 12, 13 years. Um, I make documentary films. Alina, you're here. We're here at Outfest. People who've been listening to the recent episodes of the podcast know that. Um, and we're recording here at the DGA. Uh, your film, you're here with your film Game Girls, which is a feature-length documentary that focuses on a lesbian couple, Terry and Tiana. If I pronounce her name correctly, yes, Tiana. Uh, and they survive on uh, and attempt to move beyond Skid Row, um, it, which is in downtown Los Angeles, not far from here. It's a world away, but distance-wise, not very far their their relationships even more complicated because uh, Tiana seems to be comfortable with that life that community and Terry wants to move on Um, and is determined to leave that life behind but it's harder for her to do so because of some real mental health issues and and some other things that we'll talk about in a minute Um, in in my opinion I think in some many critics would probably agree it's an unflinching look at um, mental illness, poverty, addiction, bureaucratic red tape, the challenges that face individuals on the margins, all of these things. But it's also a glimpse of dedication and devotion and love and intimacy that, quite frankly, we don't see in films uh, that feature people on the margins, right? And so I think it's a it's a gift of a film. And I think it's unlike anything I've ever seen and that um, most likely most people have ever seen. So I to start... So can you talk about the genesis of the project? How how does you how did you even begin to well how did you meet them? How did you think, oh I'm gonna make this film about these women? So I came to Skid Row um, for the first time in 2006, and I moved into one of the hotels in the area, an SRO hotel, mm-hmm. um, and I ended up staying there for close to two years. I think it's something that I wanted to do, I was curious about, and I wanted to have some kind of an experience and something inside. It linked with something deep inside me, but I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. So. Um, once I moved in, I kind of started discovering this world more and more and more, and I started filming with people in, in the neighborhoods, and I made one film there that ended up being about my neighbors, which were pretty much all men. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Game Girls really originated out of the fact that I wanted to do something about women based mm-hmm. on you know my previous film, and I was thinking about it for a long time, how to do that, how to set that up. I knew that I didn't want to make a film that was... Uh, by simply me observing them. I wanted to do something that was more collaborative. I wanted to do something where it wasn't, where I would strip away my preconceptions as much as I possibly could and really just dove into whatever was there and found the authentic voice 
off that environment. Um, so I, I ended up devising this workshop, which was led by a drama therapist. Um, we ran it for 18 months and um, we basically set up in a in the storefront nonprofit um, space that was on Sixth Street, and there was a window so people could see us when they were walking by the street and see us sitting in a circle and doing whatever we're doing, sculptures or whatnot. Yeah, playing with toys. Uh, body sculptures, yeah, playing yeah. with toys. Yeah, yeah, whatever we're doing. It's like, ooh, what's going on there? Sometimes you know we'd have women come up, come in off the street, but anybody who identified as a woman was was welcome to come and join us. It was a weekly thing. We're always there every Wednesday. Um, and that's how it started. And Terry was there for the on the very first day. Really? And she kept coming. And yeah, and then the story at some point started being about her. It was really set initially not meant as a story about one protagonist, mm -hmm. but more as a collective portrait, which is, you know, With why I wanted to all the women there. And the, it was, you know, yeah. multiple women, not maybe not all of them, but, yeah. you know, just multiple stories. But once the love story really started taking shape, I, I felt like that was kind of the way to go because um, for me, Skid Row is a place that usually is not thought about in terms of the relationships that people have, that there's love right. stories, That's that right. people have families. So to me, that was very, very important. I knew that the film had to revolve around a deep relationship of you know love um, in some shape or form, whatever that would be. Mm. It didn't have to be you know, a romantic yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, you talk about intentionality and you're crafting a story as well, right? It's not just you observing, and we talked about this before we started recording. There are scenes in this film of verbal and physical abuse that may be triggering for some viewers as a warning, but also um, I think that's worth talking about from a creative perspective. In those moments, what was it like being the observer? And this is obviously the big documentarian question, right? At what point do you say, I've got to intervene, or, I, or at what point do you say, I'm completely justified by saying hands off? How did you navigate that, or what are your reflections on that? Um, well, to go specifically to the scene that you're referring to, yeah. right? There's a fight. There's a fight scene between There's the two of them. Scene. There's and just a lot of a lot of and throughout a lot of mm -hmm. coarse language, which mm -hmm. personally I don't have a problem with. Mm -hmm. But when you think about that, for some people that can, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, the fight yeah. scene in particular. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the one that encapsulates that's the one a lot that, of it. It really does. Just, yeah, you know, yeah. Talk about that directly. Um, so essentially, we went to Vegas mm -hmm. with Terry. Tiana, uh, Kelly, the producer, and, and me, we went with them and we were staying with them in, in, in the place that they were staying at. So our goal there was to shoot the scene that was much more of a, you know, a sequence that was like a joyous kind of escape sequence, them going to the water. It feels water so great when it starts. And, You're like, yeah, yeah. And that's what they wanted. Yeah. You know, that's what we thought was going to happen. Um, but Terry's mood just went elsewhere and essentially was there from the beginning and mm -hmm. she just kind of of, yeah, she was in a sober place. So when she started drinking more and more, eventually this fight broke out. Um, and on, on our way home, they already started fighting and we were driving them back to the place. They jumped out of the car and were rolling around in the mud in the courtyard and we were just kind of dumbfounded trying to figure out Kelly and I, dumbfounded, trying to find out what to do. We were trying to stop them, obviously, you know. Yeah. Um, it was impossible to do that and somehow we made it back 
up to that you know space where we're staying at all our stuff was up there so we had to get in there and the fight continued they were um we were going through all our options what we can do right we couldn't call the police because they both would have been arrested we couldn't really the neighbors weren't interfering we knew the neighbors knew what was going on they weren't interfering we didn't want to leave because leaving them was seemed wrong because we didn't know what was going to happen if they're going to be okay so we stayed there obviously and um at some point i actually physically participated like intervened into the fight because tiana called out for help so i went in there and i held terry down and terry was trying to bite me in my arm um but i had this thick winter jacket because it was freezing cold because this was christmas time in vegas and there was no heat or anything in the apartment and but you know then tiana kept punching terry so that so i had to get out of that because then i that would be an unfair advantage didn't seem right um so eventually we decided that we were going to turn on the camera and see if that would make them stop um but it didn't they continued and it was just it was a very it was really a traumatizing experience for us to be frank um Kelly said, and I don't remember this, which you know shows that it was definitely an emotional moment. That I was, I was crying behind the camera as I was filming them, but I, I don't remember that fact. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, the sound was really low because I forgot to pay attention to the sound or anything like that. It was the just moment. this kind I mean, of, it was just like a trauma moment. Where like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, I was very close to them already at that point, so it's just a very painful thing to witness and um, for people who have witnessed things like this like this in the past you kind of immediately understand what's going on and there's Mm -hmm. a connection and and so you know it's it brought up certain things that we had experienced too personally Kelly and I and and not you know it happens everywhere Um, so I was struggling with that for a while as far as like what to do with it Tiana is the one who really wanted it to be in the film. She said this it has to be in the That's film. That's interesting. Yeah. And and I mean she won the fight, so you know that will be one reason. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, oh my gosh. beyond that, I think it was just this kind of acknowledgement that hey, this is re- like this really is going on. Like it, it just basically trying to um, sweep things under the rug or not talk about what is what is going on and that um, violence that people experience from uh, a societal level, from a systemic level, and also, you know, from the personal life seeps into your relationships or can seep into your relationship. And that is very, very difficult to overcome that and break those cycles. I think it's just very important to yeah. to acknowledge. So I decided to, to put it in and it is something that polarizes people, certainly. Yeah. Um, but I believe, I believe it's the right choice because, I mean, I wouldn't have felt comfortable including it if I hadn't had that long workshop process with the women with you know a larger group of women where we discuss these things and the theme of violence was something that was very very prevalent and I've heard a lot of different stories and people's positions towards it and um, there definitely was a a willingness or you know a desire to acknowledge those things yeah so um, that that kind of gave me the confidence that it was actually you know that it was the right step and I knew that the story was relevant because it's something that repeated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm. Um, I don't 
don't know what the it works it's such a bold move to leave it in and it works so effectively because you've set a tone leading up to it because it's fairly late in the film and you think there's going to be this maybe this peaceful resolution to everything and they've got a house and now they're going to Vegas and then there's this moment of no this people who live with this this can break in at any moment um, and it, it, I think it works so effectively because for the rest of the film they've never felt like they've been othered or that they're being exploited or any way and it just feels like this is their relationship as painful as it is I don't often talk this much in these podcasts but it reminded me of we watched a film recently through our work which has scenes of very brutal violence and lots of coarse language and we were thinking about screening it for various communities and we screened it at a church that I go to which is predominantly white and well well off you know and um, a friend of mine who saw it with me we also watched watched it with an African American pastor from South Central mm-hmm. and uh, we said you know do we think we can show this for churches for congregations because of the language and the violence and I realized that was the widest question you could ever ask right because this uh, African American pastor was like this is our life this is my community knows violence they know and so to pretend that this doesn't exist in relationships or whatever it made me think of that about yeah. this is, what, what is it our discomfort with this I think says just as much about us as a viewer oh, than I it think does it says the relationship about yeah. us as a viewer yeah. and uh, certainly you know domestic violence is something that happens in, in, all, in any and all communities yeah. but when you're dealing with those added pressures of poverty marginalization discrimination yeah. and you know it's just it can compound yeah. that yeah um, but it's 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 everywhere yeah yeah not wanting to talk about it sort of whitewashing things it, yeah. Yeah. how long all told were you was the shooting process with with them um, so we started the first workshop was on January 29th 2014 and we shot all the way up until this past summer yeah so wow. that's what three years, three years. Yeah. yeah wow yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something you convey I think it or that is conveyed through their relationship but also through some kind of not throwaway is the wrong word but some kind of the supporting cast right there's uh, people who show up and say something in the camera and then walk away you know um, community is a defining characteristic of Skid Row and you mentioned this earlier people don't often think about it that way mm-hmm. um, one in the film one homeless woman I think uh, talks about how you can go to Koreatown and people won't give you a dollar but people in Skid Row look out for each other can you talk more about that sense of community and what you saw or how you saw community play out maybe behind the camera or while you were working on the project yeah I mean um, it's just reminded me because it's always this odd thing about how do you, you know do you give people money on the street and stuff like that and interestingly on last night we were walking we were walking down the street and it's Broadway we were at the opening of Outfest and with Terry and Kelly and Mimi the drama therapist and a homeless woman approached us and you know told us her story about what she needed the money for etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and I mean Terry is the one who ended up giving her money mm. you know so it's kind of like the shameful thing where it's yeah. like yeah yeah it's, it's interesting yeah um, have they seen the film 
Yes, they've seen the film. And I've screened reactions? The film, I've screened the film in multiple, um, okay. t- multiple times in the workshop, so basically during the editing process. So they've seen other cuts, like they've seen rough cuts that were very, very different. Yeah. Um, so that feedback was something that I integrated oh, into wow. making the film. Yeah. That yeah. was very, very important to me. Cool. Um, and yeah, the final one I screened, I screened also with, with the sort of core workshop group. Uh, when we premiere on Sunday, more women will get to see it who were also part of the workshop but who weren't there That's as cool. much as, yeah. you know. Yeah, Terry and Tiana have both seen it. Mm-hmm. And their reactions, were they? Very emotional. You, yeah. Very emotional. Yeah. They both made some realizations for themselves about wow. what their relationship was, you know, based on seeing it on yeah. films. And That's so yeah, cool. They had, yeah. you know, they weren't remembering certain things. And yeah, Terry... Terry cried. She said she mm. feels bad that she was so hard on Tiana. Mm. She realized that. Um, yeah, it was it was emotional. Yeah. It was. It's. I think it's a process. It's a transformative process that's still happening, mm-hmm. and that will continue to happening with the screening and with that kind of you know the the feedback that she also gets because it's. I think for Terry, it's 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 also um, about her family, you know, how acceptance from family, things like that. So yeah. we will see what, how that all plays out. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of a this is a bigger question that applies to the film, and you kind of segue into it, talking about Terry's experience of watching the film. Uh, I, we we hope and think that films can change people, that can change hearts and minds. And I also have an intuition that the act of filmmaking can change people as well. And I wonder how this process affected you. Um, do you see the world differently, or yeah, or any any changes that when you look back on this, you think, oh, I'm a different person in this way? Or I think there were two really defining experiences for me in my life that kind of changed me mm-hmm. as far as who I am. One was becoming an immigrant as a child with mm. my parents mm. and one was moving to Skid Row and living in the hotel and making films there and meeting the people there. Wow. I do think that those are the things that really changed me and formed me into who I am. Yeah. And they both have to do with my, I mean, they, they, they both um, in different ways revolve around my passion for looking at people who somehow carry fractures within them or in general general the fractures of society yeah. really the mechanics of society how it works how people get marginalized or um, you know oppression power and how that plays out in the individual um, in the individual psyche so there's different levels I mean there's the political the more kind of global society aspect to it and then there's a very very personal and psychological and deep aspect to it and I'm interested in all of those aspects mm-hmm. so it's really for me about studying that and understanding life um, in, in, in that way Skid Row is a place where people go when they have um, you know usually they are navigating either they're navigating multiple identities within themselves or they didn't fit in somehow wherever they you know wherever they came from um, escaping things like violence and yeah. poverty so um, 
it's people who have experienced things, who have seen things, who had to fight harder, who yeah. had to just see more. So that to me is interesting, and 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 that's where I kind of connect. That's what I connect with, and that's where I, that's what I like to surround myself and express my love for life. Actually, mm. in, in that way, mm. yeah. That's great. Can you talk about having the film play here? Is it, you told me earlier it premiered in Berlin, mm-hmm. but what is it about being in a place like this or a festival like this that is unique um, for the film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the film needs to go in. I think the film is strongest when it reaches the when it reaches community, and this is obviously a festival that is strong in its community. Um, I think it's very very important for the people in the film to be specifically here at Outfest. I think that that will you know that that's that that changes that experience that 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 the experience of acceptance of what we are showing and um, an, another level of you know exploration was for, for them with, with their identity um, so I would love to show the film in different places that all connect with community in different ways and the film has you know the obvious kind of queer uh, theme because of the protagonists happening to be queer um, but there's also other you know other places that that can go in, in terms of community like nonprofit organizations etc etc so um, yeah it needs to be seen by those who really it's great if if like a 50 year old white straight guy in Germany connects with it which happened in Berlin and that's wonderful because we want it to be universal I mean that's kind of why I made it like this and why it is a love story because I do want the white guy who's 50 also be able to connect with yeah. it but it has a whole nother meaning when it reaches those to whom it's personal so yeah, yeah. you talked about creating this arts program for these women can you talk about the role of arts in that process of in the process of them processing their experiences of maybe healing or uh, progressing through life how did you see the arts function for them yeah, so uh, basically I had I had met this great woman. Um, she's a drama therapist, Dr. Mimi Savage, uh, and she devised whatever we were doing in the workshops. We discussed that in advance, but she came up with everything and she, she facilitated them. She uses a wide range of methods that I would, you know, she sort of uh, um, summarizes under expressive arts therapies. Um, so it's not about the outcome. <laughs> Although we did also create a play and we staged the play and we performed it in various locations in in LA, um, it's really about the process and it was and it is meant to be therapeutic. It's drama therapy, even though technically the workshop we didn't call it therapy because right. you know of all the legal implications, obviously. But it was supposed to be something therapeutic, and it was. What what ended up happening is that the women who committed to the workshop and who ended up coming on a regular basis did go on a journey and we. Yeah. Did, we did really become this community, kind of like a sisterhood thing. So it was very, very cool. And it, even though the workshop stopped, we, we had to stop the workshops uh, sort of mid or towards the end of 2015 because we ran out of resources. Um, but we're still a community. Like we still see each other. Or, you know, people talk on social media or meet up, and so so that bond has sort of remained. And and that's really that was really really wonderful. I think he 
healing happens through community. So we were just able to kind of provide one of those opportunities with that workshop. And and there's just not that much out there for women on Skid Row. It's it's a newer thing to even acknowledge that there are women and in those in the numbers that they are, which they are the fastest growing segment um, on Skid Row. So there's just not a whole lot for them out there. Um, so this was this was a great thing because there was no pressure and there was no bureaucracy. There was no red tape. Anybody could come who identified as a woman. That's a big thing too, you know, transgender yeah, women because um, there's really a big conflict with the women's services on Skid Row not mostly being, you know, open to transgender women. So um, we had we had transgender women in in the group that were very much you know a part of it. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of religion. So there's always that conflict. Yeah. It's very strong. Yeah. Skid Row, the the like, missions and the ministries. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, you know, we people joke on social media like you turn on, you get on social media and the world's on fire. So there's a lot of shit going on in the world that is heartbreaking and depressing and frustrating. And Skid Row is, can be one of those places. You know, if you drive through and the despair and what feels like hopelessness, were there things in your time there and the relationships you built that gave you hope? What that's or what was of, a source of hope for you? I guess that's really the bizarre thing about the whole thing that what it what it ends up giving me is hope. Mm. So it what it ends up giving me is strength mm. because just meeting people and seeing how incredibly yeah. hopeful and resilient they are yeah. is is contagious um, yeah. and it's also just it's a very very deep experience. So that's what I take away and and there's so many people on Skid Row who have gone through things that are absolutely unimaginable for most people and yet and you hear some of those in your film right yeah and yet they are able to not only carry on but you know find joy and and hope and uh, change whatever they want to change in, in, in their lives like that that happens every day so meeting them is incredibly inspiring so for, for me yes it's a very it's it's a sort of spiritual experience I suppose you know where you, you really find like life is powerful like life is so beautiful yeah. you know despite all that you gotta just connect and I think one thing that people who have gone through trauma and if they're able to get over it they they have to connect with themselves very very deeply and that means connecting with life connecting with hope connecting with just yeah deeper kind of reasons for living um, and that's very powerful that's that's you know it, it makes life just so much richer and more important so our last big question is how are you making it queer and we uh, use that question we use that term very broadly and so either in your life or in your work and one of the ways that sometimes we think about it with artists is over the course of your work, over the body of your work, are there themes that may be pushing back against dom dominant culture? And if so, what are what are those for you? How are I you am, doing that? I am interested in general in people who sort of go against the grain mm -hmm. or do their own thing or you know uh, live their identities, whatever they may be, and who are you know who are either if they're forced to because they kind of have no choice at some point or if they choose to just to to be different um so that is i would say really my core in 
interest, it has been my core interest in my work, to kind of people create their own world, create their own community. As a, as a documentarian, I am just always interested in the stories that don't get told, or even more so, I think, just in the perspectives that don't get told. So I'm always sort of like trying to dig and see what is the other perspective? What is, you know, what else is there? How might somebody look at it who's not from the dominant perspective? That's just been my, that's been my passion essentially forever. And that does have, again, to do with my immigrant background where it was very, very kind of very clear that you know you're you're there's a you know there's a certain there's a certain stigma that was when for me growing up there was always a stigma associated with people being immigrants in the from the eastern bloc in, in germany especially in that very very conservative part of germany where i grew up which is munich yeah so even yeah. though that wasn't a very it wasn't like a violent kind of discrimination or anything like that there was just this undercurrent always there so you grow up kind of just seeing the different perspectives seeing how oh this is how people perceive your people but then you're also perceiving yourself from your own perspective and and also you sort of are able to kind of be a part of that mainstream culture to some extent by assimilating but then your other family may not be and it's just navigating those kind of those kind of things i think that gave me the the desire to always look at okay how can somebody else look at this like what else is there yeah so yeah that's for me talk about the work that you do in this specific and game girls what do you hope that audiences take away from this project because I feel like you do have some I, I I want people to actually just start feeling and thinking when they see when they see it because people probably have questions yeah. and so I want them to start having that, that conversation mm-hmm. because um, people are so desensitized as far as homelessness is concerned right now certainly in LA but I think that goes all across the United States there's yeah. a fatigue um, and we don't see the other person as, as, as human almost I mean literally I've seen some shocking things and I've heard some shocking things so I think that's something that really needs to be looked at because it's such a it's just such an emptiness um, so, yeah, I want people to examine their own stereotypes and preconceptions with it too. And, and, and so about what you were talking about earlier, the fact of being so uncomfortable with some of the scenes, so, yeah, why is that? Sure. What does yeah. it say about yeah. your life and about your way of looking at the world? So just starting to have that conversation is is what I would hope that would happen. Yeah. yeah. Alina, thank you for talking with us today. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for this treasure of a film. And it feels like this big ball of empathy. It's like an empathy engine that, you know, we need we have we need more of these. And yeah. especially now. And so I want, thank I do want you to point for out that. one yeah. thing actually, just one closing do it. statement. Let's do it. Yeah. It's really it's really, really, really thanks to Terry, this whole thing. Really? Yeah. Good. She really she she pushed this, she did this, she called me, she forced me almost to film her. <laughs> so no, I'm joking. But yeah. you know, she really she made it happen and I yeah. want that to really be clear that like she it's it's her it's it's her film yeah Yeah, that's so cool Mm -hmm. yeah well thanks so much thank you making it queer is produced in partnership with old man media old man media is a digital content producer and marketing agency that specializes in story to learn more visit oldmanmedia.com making it queer is hosted by ryan parker 
This episode was produced by Chelsea Halligan and Old Man Media, with story help by me, Samantha Curley at Level Ground. Music is provided by Ryan Amador. Don't forget to subscribe to Making It Queer wherever you get your podcasts. 